CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Good afternoon, everybody. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day to our American friends, both maybe living here in Saskatchewan, listening to us on 620 CKRM, the app. Happy Thanksgiving. NFL football, we're right in the middle of a three-game set. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Cowboys trailing the uh, Giants right now, though, three to nothing. Uh, the show is brought to you by our friends at spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250. You can text us at 936-6262. It's our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Now, uh, the NFL football, usually the biggest story of the day on America Thanksgiving, but I would uh, think that the death of a hockey legend kind of rivals that for sure. Uh, not that long ago, was it last weekend uh, or re- thereabouts, Boria Salming was honored at uh, the Toronto home game. Daryl Sittler, his uh, running mate for so many years with the Leafs beside him. Um, and you could uh, see that uh, Boria was uh, obviously in the middle of his battle with ALS. But today, Boria Salming passing away at the age of 71. He is a guy that came over to this... Um, game of ours in 1976 one of the first Europeans to come over really was a trailblazer for Swedish hockey players coming over here that night where he was honored in Toronto recently it was great that Sheldon Keefe the head coach had all Swedes including the goaltender start the game for Toronto thought that was a nice touch against the Vancouver Canucks and uh, yeah so he comes over here in 1976 in the Canada Cup that's the first time we had a chance to know who Borea Salming was and uh, the first uh, little thing you're going to hear here is that night when he scored two goals and two assists in, in what would become his home in the NHL Maple Leaf Gardens for Sweden many are standing just listen to them here they are Everyone in the building is standing. Gregorio Salming, he has scored two goals and two assists in the Canada Cup competition. Looks for help in front. Now here's Salming approaching in front. He scores! And, and, and he was probably the toughest, uh, the toughest European I've ever seen come over to play the game because he could, uh, he could, he could dish it as well as take it. Carson sets up in front of the net. Gallant behind the net. It goes to Gallant. He tries to wrap around. Loose puck and scores. Solomon with 12 seconds left. Flyers have out there Kelly. Kelly steals it away. Wants to come out in front. The shows off the side of net. Kelly a stopper, and we're going to have a stoppage. And now look out. Here we go again. The great 21, Boreas Salming, greatest Leaf defenseman. I think that's inarguable. He uh, passes away today at the age of 71 from ALS. 
A lot of people were depressed yesterday because of the World Cup loss. Canada losing one nothing to Belgium. I think they were depressed because we had a, a penalty kick nine minutes in looking to score our first ever goal in the World Cup for men and uh, denied by that great goaltender, six foot seven dude in the Belgian net who made a lot of great saves. Canada had 21 shot attempts to Belgium seven and lose one nothing. This guy used to be a national team member. He's in our town. His name's Kevin Holness. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Say hi to Kevin. How are you today, my friend? Great. How you doing, Ballsy? Good. You recovered from your flu. What'd you have? COVID? Did you have the flu? What'd you have? Yeah, I don't know what it is, bro. One of those things going around. So <laughs> no kidding. Recovering now. No okay. kidding. But I guess if you're going to be sick, it, you could do worse than to sit in your lazy boy and watch a Canadian team in the World Cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's overwhelming. It still hasn't sunk in that uh, after 36 years, we have a national men's team competing on the largest world stage of uh, soccer. It's amazing. Now, now talk to me about that game because, uh, you know, we uh, I'm a football guy, but North American football guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a casual soccer fan. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you I'm a big, huge fan. I do get pumped to watch us on the national stage like that. It is the biggest sport in the world, but I would liken to what happened to Canada yesterday, what happened to the Riders so many times this year. We struggled in the red zone. We get it in close and just couldn't put it past the line. That's what I think. That's how I liken it watching that Canadian men's game yesterday. You are spot on. I think that the build-up, everything to get to that stage was phenomenal. They, they dominated uh, the second uh, world-ranking team, uh, Belgium, and uh, were, were all over them for, for about 70 minutes in the beginning of the game. Canada had them, had them on their heels. It's just that final pass, that last finishing touch that we need to, to capitalize. It just wasn't there. And I give them credit because they, they created several chances and opportunities to, to capitalize. You just didn't have that finishing edge, policy. Would you have let Davies have that penalty kick? Because there was some talk that maybe uh, Herdman should have let uh, somebody else take that kick. I know behind the scenes a lot of talk has been going on on, on how it's decided. I believe John Herdman came out and, and mentioned that uh, he lets the players on the field uh, make that decision, how they feel comfortable, who's feeling confident at that time. I know teams that I've played in in the past, national teams and professional, it's well established ahead. If I was to look at the game right now, knowing Jonathan David, how he's performing in, in France with his team, he would be one of the players. Atiba Hutchison, uh, the captain, is a, is a short shot. I would I would go to them ahead of uh, Davies, knowing that Davies is coming off in an injury, may not be as sharp. That's how I would look at it in that situation. Uh, Kevin Holness, Ke- Kevin Holness, joining us here. He's a former national team member, proud uh, person in our community. We'll talk about the local soccer scene in a second. Do you like? Not, once again, not an expert. Do you like where he went with that kick? Is that is that a is that a good place to put it? Low to that side. I don't think so. You, you look at the goalkeepers, a lot of them like to stretch out. I didn't feel it was a, was a strong uh, penalty kick. We, to his credit, uh, we're always taught that you, you make up your mind and you go with it. Don't change uh, mid-run. So he stuck with it, and, and unfortunately, it, it didn't work out for him. Is it kind of like being a batter when you're a goalie like that? A lot of times a batter, you've got to guess a lot of times on what pitch is coming next. Is the goalie the same thing? You're just guessing and going that way, and hopefully you guessed right? So true, and, and there's a lot of science behind it. He may have studied uh, all of Davies' uh, penalties in the past. He, he may look at his foot placement. 
But I will tell you, nine times out of ten, the goalkeepers that I know, it's it's a guessy match. They, okay. they make a decision and they go for it. So, you know, uh, I think the toughest position in in sports is being a football quarterback because you got to direct 11 or 12, uh, 10 other players or 11 other players besides yourself, depending on which version of American football you're playing. But being a goaltender in soccer would be right up there. 100% because you're that last man in, in defense. Uh, depending on the style, you're that first player in attack to, to build up a play. You're the conductor back there. You're the maestro. You see everything in front of you. There's a lot of communication that, that needs to happen from the goalkeepers to the defenders right through uh, up to the forwards. It's, it's, it's a lot of uh, responsibility. And I don't think we talk about this enough. Physically, in this game, you know, you're matching up against the number two ranked team. But what a mental drain it must have been. Like, you're on the big stage. I thought it was really cool, Kevin. Y- you saw some of the Belgians sing their national anthem because they do sing before the game. All the Canadians were belting out their anthem. I thought that was outstanding, and it actually uh, made me proud to be a Canadian when I watched that. But just think about that. You're on that stage. All those fans are there, and you know you're playing the number two team. It must be mentally exhausting, and I think that's what happened. Once again, not an expert, but on that goal, they kind of they let their foot off the gas just a bit, and Belgium scored. It's so true, and, and we talk about it uh, here with, with our coaches. The, the greatest teams just need that one moment ballsy. No matter how bad they're playing, they could play terrible for 89 minutes in soccer, and in the 90th minute, they capitalize. And I think Canada fell asleep for five or ten seconds, and it cost them. You mentioned the mental strain they must have going to the World Cup after 36 years, the build-up, the arrival in Qatar, having to wait for that first game to represent your country, I think all their emotions uh, showed in, in that national anthem, and they just carried their momentum from qualifying right through into that game. Couldn't be prouder for watching those boys. Now, you talk about mental toughness and being draining. You know what the next thing's going to be. When are they going to score a goal? They haven't scored a World Cup goal in four games. Um, so that's got to be taxing. If you were coaching that team, how would you handle that aspect? Because that's, that's the first hurdle you got to clear. I think I, I would stick to the plan. I think if you overemphasize one aspect of the game, it may let down another. I, I'm a coach that loves to attack. John Herdman, from, from what I hear and, and read, is an attack-minded coach. They just have to be more clinical in, in front of goal. They have to finish those runs. They have to finish those passes. And when the moments come, it's just take a, a quick, deep breath and, and finish. And it, it's, it's easier to say than do, but the fact that they're creating those opportunities, you have to get them credit. It's it's bound to go in uh, throughout the next two days. Kevin Olness, a couple of quick more questions for you. Were you surprised Canada was in the match as much as they were? I predicted a 2-1 win against all uh, a lot of my friends and, wow. and colleagues for Canada. I believe with their athleticism and, and the pace that they have on the counterattack, to, to be able to drive forward, I believe I, I felt they would be able to compete with Belgium. Okay, so do you believe? Is it simple? Is it as simple as this, Kevin? Like uh, I wasn't as shocked, even though I'm not a big uh, soccer guy, because of the immigration and the new Canadians and people coming in from different countries. They're Canadian now, and and they bring this great game and their athleticism to our country. So I wasn't sh- as shocked as as maybe I normally would have been. 
I, you know what, I agree with you. In in my day, it was there was a lot more immigration into Canada. I, I grew up in an area with a lot of uh, Latinos and and people of that uh, descent. So I learned my soccer hanging around with those guys. It went through a a cycle where there was a null for a while, and now you you see the integration of our well diverse uh, country, and and it does uh, definitely fluctuate into our sports. It's evident into soccer. It's the largest sport to, in the world. And now we're starting to see the, the, the results of that. I think our Canadian team, compared to the teams I've watched and played on, is, man, this is uh, second to none. We've never had a team of players uh, this diverse and ath- athletic and skillful all together for, for a competition at this magnitude. And lastly, Kevin Holness, locally, how is soccer looking? Has it grown? Is it, you know, do you, th- you think this thing here, this World Cup, will just add to the excitement here locally? I always feel that it does, Balzi. I think uh, in the youth, when, when you're looking at kids, Seven, eight, nine, ten years old that are that are watching the World Cup, that are talking about it in their schools, that are talking about it uh, when they're at the the field or facility. It does inspire them to play the sport. It does inspire others to to give it a go. We're never going to be that huge pie yet, even even with the World Cup coming to North America. But I think we're on the the road to be there with our Canadian League uh, CPL uh, um, operating in the last three years and our three MLS teams. I think the future is bright for for Canada in soccer, and I'm I'm hoping with the with the production of the Canadian national team that it'll just inspire more kids to pick up. In our club, we do see the the rise in numbers, and and we do see the the participation grow year after year. Kevin, Canada plays Croatia on Sunday. I'd love to call on you Monday to break it down if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. Not a problem. Thanks, man. Kevin Holness, uh, former national team member involved heavily in the soccer scene locally. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. They've got to watch out for Aiden Hutchinson. 97. They double up on him. And Allen's going to the end zone. It's McKenzie with the touchdown grab. Watch Dawson Knox, also tight end, standing up on the right side. Fumbles the snap, picks it up, composes himself, takes off. Touchdown, Buffalo! Ah, and don't worry about that. Second and goal. Does the Detroit defense know it? Oh, he's going to go top. Oh! It's caught for the touchdown! Unbelievable. It's Diggs! Where do you see this route? That's the second game in five days in Detroit for Josh Allen with the UCL injury on his right passing elbow. He had two touchdown passes and one rushing touchdown. Dude needs to learn how to slide because if he doesn't, he'll be like a shooting star. You better enjoy him while you can because he won't be lasting long. But he is our clutch performer of the day as Detroit knocked off or check that Buffalo knocked off Detroit 28-25 on a last second field goal thanks to some heroics from Josh Allen and their kicker back. Uh, the uh, clutch performance brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer call 781-1077. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Let's head out in that hotline and speak with our friend Riley Borsma. Riley Borsma of the U of R Rams. Now the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as he signs on the dotted line. That, that sounds pretty nice, doesn't it, Riley? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely pretty excited about it. 
Yeah, so talk about, first off, your experience in training camp. We talked about it initially, but it's been some time now. Uh, your thoughts on your first pro camp and uh, just your feelings after you left that camp. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was like a, it was a good experience. Um, I felt I performed well at training camp. Got to play in a couple preseason games. Uh, you know, my first preseason game, I had three catches and, you know, got to make a couple people miss and stuff. So, like, I felt like after that game, I felt like, I, oh, like, I can really, I can play at this level. And then coming out of camp gave me, you know, some confidence uh, coming into this season with the Rams just to, you know, to realize that I'm capable of playing at that level. Yeah, and assess the season for me with the Rams. It had to be a little bit frustrating. You had a young quarterback who has a, a great upside in Noah Pelshi, but it wasn't Josh Donnelly, so there were probably some growing pains, maybe some misreads or or looks or misthrows that normally you and Josh, or even if Noah had more experience, you would have hooked up on. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, Pelt played, you know, as like he did everything we expected him to do. He was great player in, in his first year and mm-hmm. um, I, I honestly I, there wasn't many times that me and him weren't on the right on the right page I thought he played really well throughout the season uh, obviously like coming in and it being his first year like um, we were a little hesitant maybe to you know put in quite as many plays as when we had you know Josh had been in the offense for uh, not playing but like with COVID he'd been you know getting a lot of the reps for like three like around three years at that point um, so there might have been a little bit of that, but, you know, he played really well. And uh, uh, Mark McConkie also gave me the opportunity to do some other stuff that I haven't done for a long time, play some running back and stuff like that and kind of, you know, play some tight end here and there too, uh, come and do some blocking and kind of expand my uh, – toolkit in that sense. Yeah, was there any uh, back and forth between uh, the Riders, you and the Rams, on maybe some things they wanted to see you do this year, a little bit more maybe on special teams? You know, as a Canadian, you have to show what you can do in other facets besides being a receiver. I'm talking, and I'm not talking returning the ball on special teams, I'm talking going down on maybe punt cover or kickoff cover and and that type of thing. Yeah, um, so, uh, just talking to uh, Dickinson in, in training camp uh, right at the beginning in the rookie camp. He's like, yeah, go back there and, you know, catch some kicks and return some punts and stuff like that. So that was something that um, coming into this season, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I need to return some kicks or return kicks for us this year. Uh, I got to play a little bit of specials uh, too. Like I played on punt a little bit, uh, made a couple tackles on punt and stuff like that. So that's definitely something I want to be able to show that I, uh, I could do, but it was also difficult because, there was, and especially there at the end of the year, I was, you know, dealing with some injuries and already, you know, taking, you know, handoffs and, and catching a lot of passes. So I was trying to, you know, maintain my body a little bit. Um, yeah, that's a good. Later that's season. a good point, Riley, because you went. Uh, you know, you had training camp with the Riders. You have a little bit of a break, and then you're right back into it with the Rams. So there was a little more wear and tear on your body than maybe you're accustomed to, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, in just like two more games in a season that I would have typically not played too. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it was tough though, right? I mean, uh, Pelche did did well, and I didn't mean to uh, make it sound like he didn't do well. He did great for a young yeah. rookie quarterback. But I mean, no Josh Donnelly, no Kyle Borsa. Uh, I, I shudder to think what this team would have been able to accomplish. I'm, I'm a firm believer that you would have beat the Huskies and probably won the Hardy Cup had you had those two veterans in your lineup. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's definitely a possibility 
uh, and that. I mean, we knew coming into the season that Josh probably wasn't going to be playing, so that was something that we expected and accounted for. Uh, but obviously, we did not account for uh, Forza going down. And, you know, our other running backs came in and did a good job. CK and uh, Olivier, you know, did a good job running the ball. Um, but they are more, you know, hard-nosed physical backs, and we definitely lost something with, you know, losing Forza's speed. You know, it would have been it would have definitely been a game-changer out there, and Josh would have been a game-changer out there too. But he did a lot to help us, you know, helping out drawing up plays and uh, helping Mark out with the offense and coaching, and he was, you know, right there in Pelt's ear all year. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that Pelt performed so well as well. So uh, this is Riley Borsma of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders draft pick comes out of the U of R as a receiver. So what what are you went through one camp now you kind of know what it uh, takes to make a football team a professional football team. What can you uh, use to fuel your fire and get you more prepared for training camp this coming year? A very big year for the Rough Riders because they had a down year this year. Yeah, um, I mean I always take my training really serious. I've never had a problem with that. So I think just, you know, staying on top of that. Um, and then this year it's a little different. I don't have to, you know, be preparing for a combine, uh, the whole time. So I can be focusing more on like some skill stuff and, you know, route running as opposed to just running 40 yard dashes and jumping as high as I can. So there'll be a, you know, a change in that regard. Um, you know, spend some more time focusing on the, you know, fundamental stuff, like just catching footballs and, you know, running routes and all those kind of skill things. Um, so I think that will be a pretty big difference of the way I trained last year and the way I trained this year. How shocked were you that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders had uh, such a terrible season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it being there, you know, throughout training camp. And mind you, I obviously have nothing else to compare it to in terms of CFL camps, but, uh, from my experience there, I, I hadn't, you know, I, I wasn't expecting them to have the season they did, but obviously, you know, yeah, I, I didn't really have too much to compare it to. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's fair. Maybe um, not a fair question for you, but do you feel because of that maybe you have a, a good opportunity to make this football team? That You know, they're, they're looking to see if we can uh, tighten things up, make things a little different, maybe looking for a bit of a makeover, and that might work in your favor. Yeah, I, I think that might work in my favor. And, you know, having a new offensive coordinator, too, and, you know, probably a new playbook that, you know, puts us all kind of at the, like, starting camp all at square one together. So there, mm-hmm. that might play a big role. I know there's, uh, a, like, looking at their free agency, there's a couple of Canadian receivers that are coming to the end of the contract. So um, that might, you know, open up a spot for me. Uh, I've, I've heard, you know, things around that so I, I don't know what to expect but uh mm. just do what i can and you know yeah they got happens. they got wesley lewis jake hardy justin mckinnis and mitch Pickton off the top of my head that are free agents so it will be interesting lastly you got a thought on the uh vanier cup do you think it's the U of S or do you think it's laval um i i'm not sure uh i haven't watched a lot of uh, laval film um I think U of S is a great team, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they took it home. But it's hard, you know it's really hard to to guess on these things because we don't play each other or you know the same teams the whole year, so it's hard to compare. But from what I understand, Laval is also a very good team. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Okay, one more. 
Would you be shocked if yeah. Mason Nias wasn't the Heck Crichton Trophy winner? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be pretty shocked, but you know, <laughs> stranger things have happened. I, right? I don't know. I'm also biased because I've seen him play. You know, especially against us, uh, dicing us up. So yeah. Interesting. Hey, Riley, thanks for your time, man. Congratulations on uh, on a contract with the Riders. I hope you make the team. We'll see you at training camp. All right, great. Thank you very much. Take care. Riley Borsma joining right. us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll talk a little Western Hockey League. Talk about the passing of Borea Salming with Bill Wilms. He's a longtime WHL broadcaster out west in the Vancouver area. Golfer, too. We'll get to him in a minute. It's a sports cage for spreads.ca on 620. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Show is brought to you by Spreads.ca, and all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Talking to one of my favorite guys, Bill Wilms, out on the left coast, a longtime broadcaster, over 2,000 junior hockey games. Bill, uh, first off, I was told by our, our mutual acquaintance, Kelly Rempel, to ask you about your thoughts on continental breakfast <laughs> well you know what he knows and <laughs> pete Lombardius is kind of a funny story i'll keep it really quick uh i hate them um if if a breakfast is included in a lot of the hotel stays that i do for hockey or food when my wife and i travel i avoid that room where a lot of great food don't get me wrong but i i can't get it done properly there i i can't get to my paper I can't sit down and have uh, the breakfast that I want. I'm running around. I'm going for juice. I'm coming back. I never have juice in the morning, but when I'm in those places, it's like I've never had orange juice. Uh, coffee's <laughs> at one end. Cream, I can't find. It's over another spot. Um, uh, you know, I, I walk too much, and I never get down to settle. And uh, it, I, Seriously, I go find myself a restaurant near the hotel and sit down, have my toast, have my coffee, and have a waitress or a server Serve on me, and I love that. Yeah, I agree with you, Bill, because I've, I've uh, with the riders traveling with them, same type of deal in some situations, and you're like, or going to watch my son down south, and you're like, you have the continental breakfast, and it's like, you got to go have breakfast now. Well, yeah, you know what? And the thing is, when you butter your own toast, I'm terrible. It's probably what I'm worse <laughs> at. I can't, I can't do it without rip. The butter's hard. I got to, I put big holes in the bread. Forget it. Pass. <laughs> I love it. That's great, man. Uh, so you just were uh, a part of uh, like a Legends dinner. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. We had the uh, – that. The, you know what? In, in over, whatever, 2,000-some games, I had a lot of highs over 22 years, a lot of big, big thrills, including Memorial Cup broadcast. Did one in 99 on, on Sportsnet and then with the Vancouver Giants and so on and so forth. It's been great. But this was up there. This is probably my three or four best ones, uh, most memorable ones. We had Dennis Hall. We had Yvonne Cornway, Dale Tell, and Pete Mahovlich on stage in the banquet room at the LEC. And uh, it was a 50-year anniversary. And the Vancouver Giants, Juan Toigo's group, Dale Sight, Pete Toigo, they put on, they do such specialty nights that are so fantastic. And it was a, a memory uh, of the Canada you know, Russia summit series. And, and Mike, if, if I don't know how many of your listeners can remember that, but honestly, w without doubt, it, it was, it became war on ice. People have no idea how intense the four games in Canada and especially the four in Russia were. 
And for Canada to come out and win that uh, series with Paul Henderson scoring with 34 seconds left in the game and a half, these four guys sitting there, I didn't have to say a word. I just wanted to look at them to think that these were the guys that were playing in that. I never missed a game. I never, I, I couldn't get enough out of that series. And it was such a battle about ideologies, a communist way of life, communism versus a, the capitalist way of life, which was better. Governments were clashing. Countries were clashing. You know, the Russians weren't even, they never raised their sticks when they scored. Because yeah, that's it, right. it, it, was a, it was a collective system. It was our system then that scored the goal. It wasn't any individual. Yeah, it was most memorable. And uh, I see by following you on Twitter and, uh, you know, Mahovlich uh, said in his opinion, Bobby Clark's the greatest team competitor he's ever seen. And you said you love that validation because Clark's your all-time favorite. All-time. If I had to build a hockey team right now from scratch and I could go back to the guys in their best eras, uh, Bobby Clark's the first guy I pick. Um, I saw him as a as a seventeen uh, year old in Flintlawn. I was I was playing in North Dakota, didn't sign with Boston. I became assistant coach there for two years, sixty sixty six to sixty eight, and we recruited from the Western Hockey League uh, because you could at that time. So I'd go drive from Grand Forks, North Dakota, up to Winnipeg, watch the. I don't even know if it was called WHL and I think it was West Coast Western Canada Hockey League. Long story short, I tried to recruit Bobby Hull, uh, Bobby Clark. He said to me, you know, Mr. Wilms, he said, I'd love to consider, uh, uh, you know, playing college hockey, but he says, I only got grade 10. Well, how did, how did that work out for him? Uh, not getting a, a college <laughs> education. And so, yeah, I mean, I loved him, Reggie Leach and him from that point on and the way he played. The way Bobby Clark, the intensity that he played with, you know, I don't get a chance to share this stuff an awful lot with a lot of people. I mean, your close friends will ask you kind of, who's your favorite all-time player? Well, you know, for Pete Mahovlich to say that, that's all the endorsement I needed. Yeah, no kidding. Bill Wilms joining us here. He's a great follow on Twitter at Bill Fairway because he's big into golf as well. Hey, we, uh, we'd we be remiss if we didn't mention this. I just saw it. Boreas Salming passing away at the age of 71. Just your thoughts oh, on, cool. on big Boreas Salming. Was it great? Hey, I was, I was, uh, I was touched like many to see him get honored uh, at uh, at the uh, at, at the Toronto home game the other day with Sittler crying. That was quite a sight. Yeah, it it uh, it was emotional to to say the least. Uh, um, my wife's brother passed away. My brother-in-law passed away from ALS. And and you know, Mike, uh, before well, I guess there was a time in my life when I quit teaching school. I was a PE teacher, which I I, I produced golf tournaments. Hence that at Bill Fairway kind of stuff yeah. as far as the Twitter handle is concerned. I didn't choose that. Dan, Dan Russell actually picked that for me. But I was doing a lot of golf tournaments, producing them, and I did a number that the beneficiaries were ALS Society, and I have a very close um, feeling about that. And, yeah, that that you know what? I didn't know he was that close, but you could tell by – you know, by what was happening and, and that great recognition. I mean, that must have been a 10-minute standing ovation for the guy, which was which was great. You could tell uh, he, he was in bad shape, but I didn't know it was would be that soon. But, uh, you know, 
you know, you know, Opie rest in peace. Yeah, and what a what a trailblazer for Swedish hockey players too. Uh, yeah, you know, oh, uh, yeah. I thought it was a great touch too when uh, Sheldon Keefe started all uh, Swedes at the start of the yeah. game. That game, that was a, yeah. that was a nice touch. Hey, Connor Bedard rolls in for his first game in the Western Conference, first WHL game in his hometown. He's got nine multi-point games in a row. This is his one hundredth. WHL game. I think it could be a special night there tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, everybody's looking forward to that. Um, you know, it's just a shame. I mean, it's, we're fortunate at BC Division to see him come out here. Uh, the U.S. Division will not see Connor Bedard in their division, but uh, because he should, you know, he'll, he'll be playing the NHL next year for all intents and purposes. But you know what, Mike? The Regina Patch scored, what, 78 goals? He's He's been on 48 of them. I don't know a guy that's ever been on 60-plus percent of a team's goal. There's a picture in today's paper in the Vancouver province, a nice big shot of him, his head's up, and, Michael, that puck is on the blade of his stick in an absolutely perfect angle. And you just know, and this is a story on him. I haven't seen him in live, but when he's got the when he's got the puck ready to pass, he's always ready to shoot it. And his velocity, well, first of all, his technique mm-hmm. is Outstanding. That's number one. A lot of guys have velocity, but they don't have great technique. And a lot of guys have technique, but no velocity on the puck. He's got it, and he's got both. I'd love to know the flex on his shaft. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out because it's not a big slap shot at all. It's just that great, great release. And you know, I, I saw Matt Barzell, a New York Islanders, talking about it. And he compares his shot to Austin Matthews and uh, he said that you know he works out with him in the summertime and he says he's been beating NHL goalie since he's 15 years old in summer in summer hockey so you know he's he has that absolute mindset to shoot his his release is like a perfect golf swing uh it's got so much speed on it and it's just so it's just so hard to handle um i i can't wait i can't wait to see that but hey the the Giants got one thing going. His last two games he's played against Winnipeg. Uh, <laughs> the last game, he, they're both Regina losses, by the way, but against the number one mm. team in Canada. In Canada, uh, his last game, he, he well, in the two games he had five points. You know, goal figure, a goal and four. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> but his last game, he had, Mike, he had one shot on goal. He he's never had a season this all season here. He's never had less than three. I don't know if that means anything. It probably means squat. He might get 11 tomorrow night. But uh, that's maybe a small thing that uh, the Vancouver Giants maybe can build on. Michael, they coached them in the World Juniors, so uh, mm-hmm. it's he gonna should be, be prepared. It's going to be interesting, uh, that is for sure. I want to ask your opinion about this because I've asked Chris Cuthbert and some other guys here in the last couple of days, John Paddock being one of them too. What do you think of, like, I'd love to see them add on to three-on-three hockey and get rid of the shootout. Like, go five, go 10 minutes of three-on-three hockey, because it's probably not going to go 10 minutes. Get rid of the shootout entirely. And I'll take it a step further, Bill. You probably won't agree with this. But I'd love to see, in the playoffs, first period five-on-five, second overtime four-on-four, and down to three-on-three for the rest going forward. I'll buy all of that. That, that is such a letdown. When you've got 60 minutes, add the overtime, you've got 65 minutes of, in fact, to your point, sometimes the most exciting part, without a doubt, the most exciting part that'll keep you in your seat, whether you're in the building or at home, is a three-on-three. Mm-hmm. You, are not, you are not leaving. 
If you're invested in that game at all, you're not leaving when it's three on three. Once shootout comes, you may as well you may as well forget it. I, I would just soon go to the internet and find out who won. Yeah. I don't care about that. And you know what? The way that shootout happens now, I don't know about you, but coming in wide, coming in slow. Um, I don't like it either. I don't. I don't like it. The it one doesn't thing look good. It no, doesn't look. No, good. it looks it's terrible. Hey, Mike, it's not a breakaway. Give me a breakaway. I got you know with a yeah. guy chasing you. Yeah, abs- the one thing I would like to see change about three on three, uh, three bill is once you get entry, you have to keep the puck there. Like you can't circle back and keep uh, going for a public skate. Yeah, no, I I, I would buy that three on three. First of all, to your point too, you know, in the playoffs, first five minutes of overtime should be the way the game's been played for sixty minutes, basically. Yeah, but but then go to you know go to four on four, go to three on three, and I'm going to tell you, you will get nobody, nobody will leave that arena. I I mean I'd be. I mean, that's overstating it, but you know what I'm saying. No, absolutely. Hey, I'll let you get to the golf course. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the Bedard Show tomorrow. Hey, you know what? I'm concerned about one thing. Is the Vancouver Giants have a front row seat to Bedard, and I got to make sure, and I'm sure Michael Dick's got to make sure more than anybody, that these guys aren't focused on watching because there's no question if you're on the bench and Bedard's on the ice mm-hmm. and you're a Giant, you're watching number 98. Problem is now refocusing when you get back on the ice to get your game against the guys you're left with to play. But I am looking forward to it. It's going to be a ton of fun. And by the way, these five rinks in the BC division, these five rinks are perfect size for sellouts. You know, they're all yeah. about five and a half, they're five and a half thousand seat buildings. Maybe you can cram six in. And they're going to be sold out. They are already sold out. And I can't, I mean, it's so much better than a 10,000 seat building or, you know, like in Saskatoon or in, yeah. in Portland or whatever it might be. So, no, it's it's a great, great spectacle. And uh, you know what? The big thing, too, from a giant standpoint is they, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're uh, trying to make sure they're getting in the playoffs. This would be a nice game to have Connor Bedard do a great job, as expected. But Vancouver Giants win it. How about that, Mike? That's great. And Bill? You go practice your putting and buttering your toast. <laughs> I've given up on that, man. I'm, I'm, that it's it's got to be buttered for me in the kitchen of the restaurant. That's it's got to be. It's fine. Just spread it on. That's cool. But don't give me a don't give me a knife. And I, you know what they look like? Those light, little oh, hard patties. Yes, the clump of butter. Yeah, it's stupid. How do you do it? You can't. I wife, you hey, can't. I, had my, I was in. Uh, forget where I was. I had my wife come with me to that restaurant. I said, "Give me a tutorial on how to do it." And she had patience. She got it done. I haven't got that kind of patience. Goodbye. See you later, Billy. Take care. Coopers. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Time now for your sports ticker brought to you by our great friends at Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Where professional service is guaranteed, they'll treat you right. Seven eight one twenty ninety. About to uh, award uh, the hardware at U Sports football level, and Mason Nias of Regina, U of S Husky quarterback, is up for the heck Crichton. He better get this award because if he doesn't get the award, if he's not the first team All Star, there should be an inquiry, and they should just quit handing out awards. It's a slam dunk. It's an absolute slam dunk. I can't wait to have him on the show tomorrow to celebrate his accomplishment and then maybe accomplishments after Saturday when they beat Laval. 
Um, also in the world of sports, we'll tell you, NFL, three games on Turkey Day. Buffalo gets a late field goal from Bass to beat the Lions, 28-25. Giants and the Cowboys, 10-7. Giants lead it. Two-minute warning. They're just inside of two minutes. Dak Prescott down the seam, deflected and intercepted by Love, and he's bringing it back, and he's tackled at the 27. So the Giants, what they lack on offense, they got a good defense. They're leading 10-7, and Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott. Good, not great. Good enough to keep both teams in the game. Later tonight, the Patriots are at Minnesota, as I was uh, informed of yesterday at the end of the show by my buddy Blaine Wyland. The Eagles have hired former CFL quarterback and assistant coach Marcus Brady as a consultant. He was fired as offensive coordinator uh, of the Indianapolis Colts earlier this year. Everybody's like, oh, we got to get Patrick Newfeld in here for the Rough Riders. Well, that's not going to happen. The former Luther Lion and Regina Kid signing a one-year contract extension to sit, uh, stay with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's into his 12th season, ninth with the Bombers. Riders needed to get bigger up front. They've added some NFL pedigree to their ailing offensive line, signing American tackle Jeremiah Putasi, the six foot six, three hundred and thirty pound blocker, began his pro career with Tennessee. Selected him in the third round of the twenty fifteen draft. Played eleven games. The rookie started seven at right tackle. Was cut the following training camp. Played one game with Jacksonville. Bounced around with the Rams, Broncos, and Cardinals. He's now a member of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Get the more CFL news in a second. Switzerland beat Cameroon at the World Cup one nothing. Uruguay and Korea tied at zero. Uh, Brazil two nil over Serbia and Portugal beat Ghana 3-2. to two. Maple Leafs hockey legend, Hockey Hall of Famer, Borea Salming passing away at the age of 71 today in his battle with ALS. Alright, I welcome in Blaine Weiland to the show. By the way, just saw this Blaine from uh, Farhan uh, Lalji. His a tweet here. If I can get to it here. Actually, a couple of tweets as it relates to the CFL. Apparently, according to Farhan, riders have asked for permission to interview the following for the vacant OZ spot. Pete Costanza, the Argo receivers coach. Martin Costello, Bombers O-line coach. Riders also got permission to speak to Paul Lapolis, but he declined. Lapo won't be coaching in 2023, according to Farhan. So there you go. I know he's got a football camp coming here to a Moose Jaw again. Yeah. And then um, also Danny Austin from the Calgary Sun reporting that Mark Killam, Mark Mueller, and Brent Monson have been... Uh, um, approached about the Ottawa head coaching vacancy. So there you go. And Mark Mueller going to join us Tuesday on the show and Bo Levi Mitchell next week too. He was supposed to join us this week, but he said, Balls, you're going to push it the next week because I'm flying down to visit my brothers for Thanksgiving. So there you go. So we got uh, some uh, hot news on the go there. Be interesting to see. It's, it's going to be fun talking CFL here for the next couple of, couple of months for sure. See how it shakes down. Wonder what kind of pitches uh, Bo Levi's been hearing from Hamilton over the last week or so. Hamilton, and then I think Toronto will probably get into it. The Riders for sure. BC Lions. I'm I'm still going to predict right now, as I did on Twitter, Bo Levi Mitchell will be the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He'll never get a better deal than here. They're signing linemen, as you see. Maybe that's a sign to Bo. And I think Mark Mueller will be our offensive coordinator. 
That's think, my opinion. And I think the one advantage that the Riders have over teams like Hamilton and Toronto is the fact that they, that they get to play Calgary twice, probably three times. It could be even four times next year. Yeah, and you know what? It is. You're, you raise a good point, Blaine. It's easier to get out of the East and win a trophy, so that might be important to him. It also costs you more money to live out there. But you're right. He gets to be a thorn in the side of the Stampeders a minimum two, but probably three times a year, which you and probably two trips to Calgary, which he'd love to do. Um, okay, and then um, what, what do you think about Like, nah, that's a slam dunk. Nah, he should be the heck Crichton trophy. It should be, yeah. You think he should get it. 18 touchdowns, three interceptions, 2,800 yards. Those are way better numbers than when Chris Merchant won it a couple of years ago when they gave it to him because it was a career award beating out Adam Mackert. It's funny how the narrative switches whenever people vote, right? Yeah, it, it, they changed the perspective. It changed, it just, you know... Changes to their own perspective, I guess, when they do the voting. Everyone's got their own agenda when they make their votes. Yeah, for sure. So we're watching this game. It's the uh, New York Giants over the Cowboys 10-7. Say what you want about the Giants. You mentioned this yesterday. Brian Dable, their head coach, he should be in running for coach of the year along with Pete Carroll. They don't have much of an offense, but their defense is good. No, Daniel Jones, I don't think, is a starting quarterback. and He inherited him, and but he's done a good job. It's, it helps those Saquon Barkley's back. Yeah. Being Saquon Barkley, he's a big boost to that lineup. And how about uh, the Bills? They found a way to get it done again. The Lions always find a way to lose, don't they? There's never a dull game with the Buffalo Bills. Like after that Minnesota game, and then they get you know snowed out. They played in Detroit, and then uh, yeah, they become the first team since 2016 to win back-to-back games at Ford Field. Remind you, the Detroit Lions play at Ford Field. This is a that's right. This is a big uh, good point. This is a big day in Grey Cup history. We'll talk about that a little later on after five o'clock. But up. Next, after the 5 o'clock news, our betting expert Andy McNamara joins us. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Michael Ball back in the chair wherever you're listening, however you're listening on this holiday Thursday in the States, their Thanksgiving. We appreciate you making us part of your day. You can get us on our regular airwave, 620 CKRM on the AM dial or on our app, 620CKRM.com. Uh, our uh, show is brought to you by our friends over there at spreads.ca. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Our betting expert, Andy McNamara, joins us, UFF Sports. Andy, first game in the books, 28-25 for the Buffalo Bills. Did you see anything there that surprised you? Oh, well, not covering that uh, nine-and-a-half-point uh, yeah. spread for Buffalo is what I saw, Ballsy. That was unfortunate for many a people. Elena. Laying a few bucks down on that early game, much closer than I think a lot of us anticipated. But you know what? That goes to show this Lions team how they run. They're they're feeling it now. They don't have the talent, but you would get a few more nice draft picks that are starting to pan out. Maybe under old bite the kneecaps, Dan Campbell, this team actually might be able to do something in the future. And for Buffalo with Josh Allen. I just hope that elbow gets right before the playoffs because well, we're still we're still seeing some weird stuff. Well, Andy, that's why I would have picked Detroit. I never got it. I got I got into it late. I got these last two games, just the money line. I took Dallas to win. They're losing right now, thirteen to seven. Go figure. And I got uh, Minnesota tonight against the uh, Patriots. But uh, I would have gone that way. Two games in five days with that elbow. Detroit does know how to put up points, so I thought they would lose, but a close one. Uh, but that's not where I'm going with my picks. We'll get to that in a second. One great moment though 
that's going around on uh, Twitter. Uh, Stefan Diggs, the receiver for the Bills, pulls a kid in a Josh Allen uh, jersey yeah. out of the crowd, puts him on the field, and gets him to run a pattern and throws the ball to him before the game. <laughs> like, talk about that. That's what that is what's cool about sports. You see a lot of that in the CFL, not so much in the NFL. I wish guys would do more of that because that goes a long way. What he did. Oh, oh yeah, it really does. That's so cool. And think about it for that little kid. Like. That, that, that's, that's a life moment he'll be talking about forever. That's phenomenal. For Stefan Diggs, cost you nothing, and you do something like that. Just, just fantastic to see. And you know what? That Bills team is so connected to the community. It is a community team, kind of a CFL feel. Yeah. And also, those, they should be thankful because those fans were the ones digging them out of their houses last week. <laughs> I know. Isn't Literally that... digging with shovels. Yeah, taking them to the facility on snowmobiles, yeah. everything. It's crazy. Okay, let's get to it here. Um, how about the, um, We're going to get to, just give me a second here. You gave me your rundown here. Now, um, I want to go to a couple. How about this for a possible start, okay? Geno yeah. Smith this week against yep. against the Raiders. I kind of like him maybe for a possible start if you need to to, to find a quarterback start somewhere. 1,000% agree. It, it's funny because I literally have Geno Smith like up on my screen right now um, from before he came out because I was just checking. I was just checking him out as somebody that I was I was thinking of uh, of going with. Now is he going to be on waivers? Well, he's going to be 20% yeah. of leagues. So he still might be there. Take a look. For your DraftKings lineup, the great thing is he's right middle tier. So if he's not eating up a whole bunch of your DraftKings salary cap, it's beautiful. 6000 bucks. He costs uh, less than the likes of Kyler Murray. God, forget Kyler Murray. Yeah. Or Justin Fields in a bum shoulder. Give me Geno. Geno's giving you 19 to 20 plus fantasy points a game. Pretty much guaranteed at this point. And you're going up against a, a Raiders club who we know has plenty of holes. And they're giving up the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. How about, I'm with you. Go Gino. How about this one? A possible running back start. Latavius Murray, Denver. All of a sudden, it's his backfield now. Yeah, it is. My only, here's where my hesitation is. I look at the yards per carry, and I get nervous, Balsy. I get nervous because it's like it's like 2.8. It's like 3. It's mm. like, okay, okay, if it's at the goal, you know, is he going to punch in? Yeah, maybe. But, like, I, I'm not, look, I'm not against it if you're in injury trouble. Um, I would rather swerve if you have the chance to go with guys like a Sam Pirine who's going to be filling in for a very likely sitting Joe Mixon or a Rashad White who's going to get a lot of touches whether or not Leonard Fournette plays with the Buccaneers against the Browns' historically bad run defense. So I'd rather go that way. But if you're in a pinch, I see where you're going because volume and opportunity equals success in fantasy. Just those, just, there's not a lot of explosiveness there. So that's why okay. I pause a little. That's why I got you on. That's why you're the expert go, to steer me away or to it. But, you know, <laughs> you know a guy that popped last week and has popped? It's, he's Mixon's running mate. It's P. Ryan in, yeah. with the Bengals. Oh, man. Yeah, guy went bananas last year. Three touchdowns. It was great. And we've seen him flash throughout the year and even a bit last year. And what is what stands out to me in a good way for Pirine is that Nixon, again, uh, likely going to miss the game, concussion, and it's probable. You know, you got to track it to the end, but maybe. But even before that, he was being used in the passing game. You know, we've seen him get four or five catches a game. We've seen him be dynamic when he's sprinkled in, right? And so we've seen him uh, with games where even if it's a few carries, averaging those five, six, seven yards per carry uh, game. So now if you put him in a lead-back role um, with that passing option, especially where he can catch, I think P. Ryan is a a tremendous play. Value-wise drafting, he's 5,600 bucks. And I think you, you could do far worse than, than P. Ryan, even though it's going to be against that tough defense of uh, Tennessee. Okay, here's a name for you. 
How, how do you feel about Drake London of Atlanta with Pitts done for the year? Mm. You think he's got Mariota's got to lean on somebody? How about London going against? I believe they're playing the Commanders this week. I like London's talent. I like the size. I like the future. Is is Mariota the right guy to get him the ball right and against against Washington? Who's good? They're not world beaters, you know, but they're they're fine. Um, I don't hate it. I just haven't seen the volume or the attention that London, I believe, deserves going his way. And we've seen a couple, a, a, a few games where he's gotten one catch. Not his fault, mm-hmm. but we've gotten one catch. You know, last week, one reception. Week before, now he got five, but the yards are only 38 yards. So we're seeing, even if we were getting the volume, the yards aren't there. Now, he does have back-to-back games with touchdowns, so that's good. So I'd say if you're in a PPR-specific points-per-reception league, Drake London, yeah, if it's standard – or anything that's not that, I would I would fade away from him. But the talent is there, so it's so frustrating that he's not being used better. So since week six, that's five games, the Jags have given up seven double-digit wideout scores, okay? They're playing Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. He needs something to get him going. Maybe it's going against the Jags. How about this for a Hail Mary start? Demarcus Robinson, Baltimore. Ooh. Oh, boy. Hey, you know what? The guy we know, he can have big play downfield potential. Uh, there's definitely a world where that could work. I personally would rather uh, Devin Duvernay, even though he's come right back down to earth the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And that's the trouble with the Ravens, right? Like, okay, even if the Jags are giving up all these points, you could still just run. So uh, Demarcus Robinson, like, I-, I like it. Look, if you're doing – to win these, like, DFS contests, you've got to have a-, a bold play that goes off. Demarcus Robinson, there's a definite path to that happening, right? Yeah. So, that could be De- uh, Devin Duvernay. Again, um, I like it from a volume. He's gained some trust. The main target, though, seems to remain, and probably rightfully so, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, Andrews yeah. yeah, yeah, you for know? sure. Yeah. So, but but I, I see what you're saying. Look, it just takes one. The guy gets one catch. He could end up with a stat line, two catches, uh, 80 yards, and one one catch was for 60, right? So... And that's there's, why, there's I, and that's why, I, that's why I coined it a hail mary start. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, exactly. okay, and you, know, it could, it could. Yeah. At, 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 like you're not, you're not saying that some some bum on special teams has to get in, right? No. It's, uh, it, it's a guy. So. That's right. Okay, so let's get to our uh, our underdogs and our favorites. I'll go with my uh, favorite first. I'm going yeah. Chargers minus three at the Cards. Chargers got to get some wins going here. The Cardinals are a beatable team. I think Herbert looked good last week. Even mm-hmm. though they lost, it wasn't his fault they lost. I'm going uh, Chargers over the Cards. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I'm the exact same way. I don't trust the Cardinals. I don't trust the Cardinals at all. Uh, they're a mess. They're, they're injured. They're banged up. They're kind of healthy. They're not. Decision-making is wonky. Yeah, I would say on the road, Chargers, absolutely you go that. And like you said, Herbert's popped a little bit. And, and hopefully this is a stretch where they can start getting right and make that push to the playoffs. Well, they got to. Okay, and so who's your favorite today or this um, week? We, we talked about him a little bit with Geno Seahawks. Okay. Uh, over the, with the Raiders? Like, come on. This, this, isn't, uh, this isn't too difficult here. Like, we're, we're looking at a Seattle team, superior quarterback play. Um, Raiders are just absolutely all over the place. Um, Seahawks at home and three and a half point favorites. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks win this by a touchdown. That's not that's not going to be surprising me. I think Seattle takes it. Okay, give me the points and the Raiders. That's my upset. Yep. 
Three and a half Ooh. points. I got the Raiders going in there. Okay. They had a big win against uh, the, um, the the Broncos. Uh, maybe yep. Denver handed it to them a little bit. I, uh, I, you know, I don't really like what's going on with their camp, but I think they're going to beat the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are going to come about down to life a little bit. So that's my mm. un- that's my underdog pick. Who do you got for your underdog? I'm going. I'm going Patriots tonight. Uh, Ooh. And Ballsy, I'm double dipping here. I'm loving this Patriots fight. DraftKings Sportsbook, here are the numbers. Two and a half point favorites for the Vikings. So that's a pick em. That's a home point. That's, that's pretty much a pick em. So for the Pats to win by more than two and a half, pays plus 100. For them to win outright, it's plus 130. What time is the game at tonight? It's at 8.20 p.m. Eastern. That's prime time. And it's Kirk Cousins. And that means he fails. He wilts like a rose. He did last week 425, which is the mini prime time afternoon, afternoon special. And he failed there too. I think you double dip on the Patriots. They're going to grind them out. It's going to be a boring game. People are going to be falling asleep in the U.S. after their turkey. It's going to be run the ball. It's going to be grind it down. And it's going to be mistakeville for Kirk Cousins. Um, I might even go a little tri- a triple dip. I'm not being that bold. The under 42 and a half. But I could even see it being that. I think Pats win and they cover two and a half. Why didn't I talk to you before I placed my bet on these two games? I picked Dallas. <laughs> I think Dallas still might come back in this one, uh, but yeah, I think Dallas is going to win. That's a good yeah. point. I forgot Cousins in prime time. He's terrible. Prime time. I he's, know. There's he, no science to it. He just is not good. He's just he not just good. Isn't. Hey, uh, where can they find you uh, to get some uh, tips on the weekend betting? Oh, baby, get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports, hashtag AskAndy. Got videos up, got tips, answer your questions, all that. So uh, social media at AndyMC81 and at AndyMCSports. Thanks for your time, man. It's always fun. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. That's Andy McNamara, UFF Sports. Check him out. He knows what he's talking about most of the time, but I think he's wrong on the Raiders and the Seahawks. When we come back, we'll have more of the sports cage. For spreads.ca on 620s. More details. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Our text line, you want to weigh in, 936-6262. That is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, number one Ford dealership in the province. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. When talking about Western Pizza, when you go in there and order, you ask for the Rough Rider sweet deal, and you and a friend could be watching a Rider game from a luxury suite in 2023. All right, let us uh, continue our talk here. Uh, we'll get to Glenn Suter in a few minutes. I'm in studio with Blaine Wyland from our sports department who's operating on the show. Uh, are you surprised by uh, this game here, Giants-Cowboys? Uh, you know, not... I expect it to be close, to be honest, and I, I expect the Cowboys to come back in the second half. I really do. I just don't. I just can't see Daniel Jones leading them to victory. But uh, Darius Slayton made a heck of a catch early on that reminded a lot of people of David Tyree with a, a nice leaping catch. So uh, it's interesting that stuff for sure. I love the. Uh, I know you're a 49ers guy, so you can't like the Cowboys. I don't like the Cowboys, but I do like their Thanksgiving Day unis, the dark blue with the white helmets. Yeah, that's I agree. a sweet look. That's, I, a, that's a really nice look. It's one of the few things I liked about the Cowboys is uh, those jerseys. And right the there. cheerleaders. Of, of course. course. We of course. Like that. You got to like the cheerleaders. Hey, Thanksgiving. We got three games here. Used to be two. Now they've expanded it to three. They're going to have a Black Friday game, I think, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the CFL maybe getting some Thanksgiving Day tradition? I think 
Did this year, did they, I think, I feel like Montreal is getting into that mix, yeah. but I'd love to see like a Montreal BC have a matchup every year and maybe a Riders Calgary every year, Thanksgiving. Like a doubleheader or something, you know, the way they market the Labor Day weekend, it's such a good, you know, that's one of the best things about the CFO. They they should turn the Amer- or the Canadian Thanksgiving, excuse me, that Monday into uh, at least two games. Like I believe the only one game this year yeah. with Montreal and Ottawa and it's yeah. 11 o'clock game. And of course we know how we feel about those Eastern teams, especially this late of the season. Yeah. And Ottawa's kind of out of it. So I don't think it was that interesting of a game. They really should have a doubleheader on that Monday. I, I think they need to do that. That's something the league should look at for sure. Okay, this day in uh, CFL history, at least, was on this day back in 1996 that Ron Linecaster and the Edmonton Eskimos took on Don Matthews, Doug Flutie, and the Toronto Argonauts in Hamilton, the snow game. That's the one that bounced off of Eddie Brown's foot that he ran for a touchdown, the iconic touchdown. And then, of course, Doug Flutie's fumble, no fumble. You had the Adrian Smith interception return for a touchdown or kickoff return. You had, you had Gizmo Williams with his return. That was a great game. Oh, yeah. I always remember Eddie Brown. The snow and Eddie Brown's touchdowns, the two things I remember. And those flakes were huge. Oh, fun. yeah. Okay, so take me through your 2013 Grey Cup experience because it was on this day, November 24th, 2013. The Riders may have had the greatest day in franchise history. I know the first is always the best, but we won this on our home turf. What do you remember about that day? Oh, what do I remember? Well, I do remember Rico. Murray's a little wipeout at the beginning of the game. Yeah. I'm, and I might have wiped out a few times like he did throughout <laughs> the evening. Uh, you know what I remember most was after the game, was in the parking lot right after the game, and we ran into G- the former Rough Rider general manager, Eric Tillman, and talking to him after the game. And uh, that was quite something. And it's just after the Green Mile afterwards, you seen random people like uh, TSN guys on the street afterwards, yeah. and just uh, me carrying my brother on my shoulders after the game because uh, he needed some help. And uh, <laughs> and you you said you weren't exactly uh, on sturdy footing either, if you know what I mean. No, it's like I'm kind of glad that wasn't a close game. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I was. Uh, more occupied throughout the game than I normally would. Yeah. I like to sit and watch the games, but that game I felt like celebrating. And uh, I'm glad it was kind of a game where the Riders kind of had the game in hand by halftime. Yeah, they smoked them. I, uh, so I parked my car right here at this radio station and I walked all the way to the to the um, game, okay? Mm-hmm. Bundled up. It, was, it, w- it wasn't it was as cold no. as I thought it would be, but it was yeah. it was chilly then because I thought, okay, once my post-game show is done, I'm never going to get out of there. It's just going to be packed, right? I did a four-hour post-game show, came out, and it was like the game never happened. I had to get a rot. I'm not walking through that part of Regina that late. So Bob Salisbury, our old engineer, drove me back to the station. I'll never forget when I got home, my son was still up, and he said, Dad, he would have been, I think he would have been 11. Dad, you're not going to believe Uncle Dennis gave me this special orange juice, which, you know, that was, <laughs> I had a couple of sips, Uncle Dennis's special orange juice. We party, guys were climbing the light pole. I peed on the side of your radio station, which he told me he did. And he said, I met this guy named Tim Franks. And he said, hey, kid, nice hair. Because my son had the green the green uh, hair, right? And he stood by the entrance where the riders went in and out. Well, it was Tom Hanks. I said, you mean Tom Hanks? Uh, Tim Franks? Hilarious. <laughs> One of the greatest actors of all time. And you, you didn't get But hey, it's pretty funny, man. Oh, that was yeah. great. And I remember that. Those two guys there, I guess the story goes... 
They had to get Tom. They, they tried to get Tom. They needed to get Tom and Martin out before the crowd went out or they'd never get those guys out. But Tom didn't want to leave. He's taking pictures and loving the old stadium, like way better than the Super Bowl, he said. So that, that's a, kind of a cool little summary there. But yeah, it was on this day back in 2013. The Rough Riders beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats to win their fourth Grey Cup, the last one they won, and it was on home turf. When we come back, we'll hear from Glenn Souter. In press coverage, this is the Sports Cage on 620. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out. Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, Suits, thanks for joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. This segment's brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. QualityTire.ca. Thanks to them for getting on board with this segment. Now, Glenn, I haven't asked you this. I don't think your favorite NFL team, do you have one? Not really. I, I actually cheer for different players, different stories, and I always love the close game. Just as a broadcaster, it's the same thing. I I sit in the booth and I don't pick one team or the other. Uh, I know that is uh, may uh, conflict with the opinion of a lot of fans, but, <laughs> but I, I really don't. And, uh, you know, I, I love a great game. I love great, entertaining football. I, I went to some Titans games when my uh, son was in Nashville and did a whole bunch of tailgating and loved that experience. And then, uh, you know, would watch the game. And, you know, I watch it differently too, Michael, as you know. Like, I'm yep. I'm watching the secondary. When I watch a game on TV, I listen to how Romo or Troy Aikman or any of the other uh, color analysts, I, I just listen to how they describe a 10-yard curl for a first down. Because if there's a new way, then I'm going to steal it. <laughs> well, that's what it is, and that's that's just being a pro. Uh, so here's something. The CFL always uh, gets flack about our rules. The rouge, or which I love, by the way. I am not in favor of getting rid of that. I think I think it's uh, unique, and I love it. Uh, uh, or uh, the no yards, which I'm in favor of keeping, although it is kind of quirky at times. It's a subjective rule. But the dumbest rule in professional football is the Holding penalty on the defense in the NFL. Suppose, we just saw it here. Suppose the New York Giants have the Dallas Cowboys offense at second, uh, third and 30. Okay, it's third and 30, and Dak Prescott tries to uh, throw a slant route to CD Lamb for seven yards. And he makes the catch. But on the other side of the field, the defender holds the uh, other receiver. He gets a five-yard defensive holding penalty and an automatic first down. I think that's the most ridiculous penalty call in all of pro sports. Football. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I mean, there's a couple of rules in the NFL that I, I just think are ridiculous. One is that because that shouldn't be an automatic first down. But the, the problem they have if they leave a holding call uh, separate from illegal contact or pass interference is that if you, if you don't make it an automatic first down, then DBs will hold every second and, and 10 or more. Right. Uh, so so you, you have to have either illegal contact 
or, or which which is a you know can be a ten or a fifteen yard penalty, however you decide, but is not an automatic first down. So it's a second and twenty, and you have illegal contact. It's a fifteen yard penalty. You're you're third and five. Right. So that or pass interference. The other one for me though, Michael, is the is the downing of a punt. And you know, again, it, as we get into the off season, that that complete cycle of looking at CFL rules and discussing it in social media, we can just, you know, if it were up to me, we would just say we are not changing rules for five years. We've changed rules over the last five, and actually quite drastically in some cases, including moving the dimensions of the field with the hash marks, not not the overall dimensions, but moving the hash marks in. And, you know, we are going to just let the the whole idea of, change and all of this we're going to let it all settle settle down and we're going to go five years with these current rules there is nothing i would like to change about the rules in canadian football there is really nothing michael shea said this during the great cup week when was asked what do you love about canadian football he said there's nothing that i don't love (laughs) exactly well yeah every every year michael we start to debate you know should we the single point and how we're going to no, our game is not broken. We saw another ex- how many examples of exciting to the wire entertainment do we have to see even in our championship game before people stop trying to fix something that's not broken? Well, we're watching the World Cup of Soccer and I'm seeing 0-0-0-0-1-0-2-1. And I know it's apples and oranges, but I don't see anybody. People tell me this is a beautiful game. Oh, you don't appreciate how exciting it is. Well, why is it okay for soccer, but it's not okay for CFL football? And what, Yeah, and, and why do we believe that... Uh, a 60 or 70 point game is better than what we saw in the Grey Cup. Mm. I mean, who did, who decided that? I mean, again, I I, I think what you got to do is you take all the experience that we have in our league, guys like you know John Hupnagel and Craig Dickinson, and, and people that have been been in the trenches that have to manage the rules, that have to work on personnel. And yes, we, we lean into their expertise, but this idea of surveying a thousand fans or 10,000 fans and then setting policy by what they say, I'm all for listening to the fans' opinions on how we can improve entertainment and there might be some nuggets and new ideas that come out of those kind of surveys that are huge and really important. But if, if you're asking a random 10,000 fans to evaluate the talent level of our, of our players. I, I'm sorry, with all due respect to the, to the average fan, they're not qualified. No, they're, they're not. And, and, and so here's something we're watching this and, and, and NFL fans know on Turkey day, they have two and now three football games to watch. And, the NFL is a juggernaut, but families, uh, you know, they, they eat their turkey, they sit around, they watch the game. It's a tradition. I, I'm trying to rack my brain. Have we started a tradition in Montreal with the Thanksgiving game? Because I'd really like to see us have like a doubleheader now on Thanksgiving weekend. Like maybe Montreal, BC, or Ottawa and Montreal, and then have a Calgary Riders Thanksgiving tradition. Kind of like we do with Labor Day, where we make it a big deal. Well, it's a great idea. And anytime you can you can relate or combine 
Canadian football with Canadian tradition, it's it's a win-win. It's just and it's it's something that should absolutely do. You know, I I know at TSN in our meetings that when it comes to Thanksgiving weekend, we are we are always trying to make it different and special and and you know bring the turkey to the set and we make sure the crew get the turkey and right. all that. But at the but at the end of the day, we could do more and the league office could do more on on just you know, creating these Canadian moments. That's why games on Canada Day to me is have it's just it's a must. It's got to happen. I mean, we're our our league has been around almost as long as our country has been in existence. I mean, no other league in North America has been around this long. It's like double the time of the National Football League. And this is so, this is a bit this is a big talking point, Glenn. I'll, I'm not I'm not uh, listen. I'm not asking you to talk against your employer, but I'm going to ask you because you're employed there, okay? One of the things I'm getting recently is this. Why is the Grey Cup not on CTV? Why is it only on TSN, but I can see Spain and Costa Rica in the World Cup on CTV? I can see the Super Bowl on TSN and CTV, but I can't see the CFL. And you just mentioned our league is almost as old as our country. It is the biggest Canadian party. I have to ask the question, why Why don't we have it on CTV? Do you, do you know why? Is it ever brought up, or is it just something where, no, we got to... Show the NFL. And listen, I get it. Soccer is the biggest sport in the world, so I understand. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And by the way, I, I think that Canada game was $3.7 million, which was the second highest. I think the Super Bowl was the highest this year. The That Canada game one against Belgium was second highest. I believe the Grey Cup would have been third. Without um, CTV. Without CTV. With, without without. CTV. And here's here's what I can say. I don't know why because I'm not on I'm not allowed up on those floors <laughs> of, okay. the, of the office. But I do but I do know this. I do know that everyone at TSN who is in the trenches and what I mean by that but like the crews on the road that are producing the games, we always ask the same question. We always ask that very same question, why can't we get on CTV? And if we can't get on CTV, why can't we message that we had 2.3 million average and upwards of 8 million tuning into the Grey Cup game at some time or another throughout the game, and we don't advertise that, and that was only on TSN and RDS because that's where we put the Grey Cup game. And to really sort of make sure we explain fully that Programs that are on CTV as well, like the Super Bowl, that changes a dynamic. That that's free TV, basically, as opposed to cable subscription. So, completely different when it comes to the numbers. Somehow, we just a lot of the narrative throughout the year will be TSN's numbers were eight hundred thousand for the Ryder game, and the competition was something that was on CTV and it was 9,000. And I go, well, apples and oranges. You can't, you can't, you have to be specific on, on, you know, 
what I'm saying is the Ryder game was the win because we were on cable. Well, it's the messaging, and you've said this so much, and I think that's what needs to change. And if anybody sits down to pick your brain, I'm sure you've already done it, but I know you'll reiterate it. It's the messaging. It's like, well, the Western semifinal, the ratings are down 27%. But if you read further down, first of all, we talked about this. Bombers didn't play in the first round, so their fans maybe found something else to do. Uh, The Rough Riders were out. They float all boats, which is good and bad. Uh, so so they're out. But what, what, what should have been highlighted was the CFL semifinals had 30,000 people in the stands in Vancouver, had 20,000 in Montreal, which is a win there, had outdrew a Leafs game, double the, for the, double the audience than a Raptors game, and beat the NFL game shown in the same time slot on CTV and TSN, the other TSN channel. That's what should have been promoted. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think the messaging is the is the most inexpensive yet effective way to change the entire trajectory of the of the league. I really do. And to grow our game all the way through every level. Because you know, if if you walk into a grocery store and there's one salad and on the label of that salad it says well, we're really experimenting things. We're trying it. It's been broken for a long time, but we're trying the salad. And then the salad beside it, it says, best salad in the world. Which salad are you picking up? The best salad in the world. Exactly. Hey, and and it, it's, it's really that simple. Okay, so the Toronto uh, Argonauts uh, had their, uh, their rally today. It was great to see them get love at the Leafs game. They got love with Drake at the... Uh, at the uh, Raptors game, which gives some street cred to the CFL, which I love. And they actually had a pretty good turnout, Jurassic Park or Maple Leaf Square. What I loved is uh, that Mike Pinball Clemens today recognized equipment manager Danny Webb. 39 years of service. He's the dude that went out and got some warm blankets for the guys on the sidelines during the game. Heads up move by him. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I mean, you know, for... For those guys to understand, like for us, it was Norm Fong for years and years in the equipment room and, and how important the training staff and equipment staff are. But but everybody. I mean, I go back to uh, when Mark Tressman won back-to-back championships and with the, with the Alouettes, and, and his mantra was that everybody matters. Everything and everybody matters. And I always think about that because it's so true. All the small little details. If you take care of those details, the big things will happen. They'll just happen organically. If you try to always go for the big things but don't take care of the details, and this, this, this is part of life. It's not just football. It's, it can be transferred to anything you do in life. Take care of the details, and the big things will take care of themselves. And, and that's what this was. And, you know, it's Jurassic Park. It's Maple Leaf Garden or whatever the, the names are. Well, let's, let's put an Argo label on it. Because that was a fantastic crowd. And like I've said for years and years, the fans are there. But because the messaging has been allowed to get so far off track, there are fans that are almost, like, reluctant to go watch a game because they feel like, I'm going to watch something that's broken. I'm going to watch something that isn't cool. I'm going to watch something that... I just heard from TSN people or from somebody in the media that they're trying to fix it. So I'll wait till they fix it, and then maybe I'll go. If we change the messaging and we just stand tall because we're not making it up, we're not fabricating it, 
This is real. It's true. It's exciting. It's entertaining. It's great, great athletes. So let's just message that, and people will just, they'll be there. They're there in Toronto. They're, we, Amar Doman showed it in Vancouver. They're there in the big cities. Don't tell me we can't get it done. Well, you just said messaging before we go to break, and I'm watching this NFL game on TSN, and I, it's NFL Canada, so obviously probably the NFL is pitching money into it, and things cost money. So I'm not there, but I see they highlight a Canadian in the NFL on the Washington Commanders or Chase Claypool. Why can't we do that on a TSN broadcast? Why can't we have a Chiron flashover saying, uh, we'll pick a, uh, James Tuck, fullback, Saskatchewan, went to this school. You know what I mean? Like there's little things that we can do to, uh, to do what they do to, to, to keep that messaging going. One other thing I have to laugh at, a field goal was, or an extra point was missed in that Buffalo the Detroit game that could have cost Buffalo the game. They had to scramble back to win on a last-second field goal. But moving the PAT back didn't start in the NFL, didn't start in college football. It started in the Canadian Football League. That's a rule that started in our league. So they'll never give us credit, but that's something where, you know, with rule change, I think that was one of the best rule changes in professional football. Took a nothing play, and it made it so that you shouldn't go for a beer. When we come back, we're going to talk. I got a couple of texts I want Glenn to address. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620CK.com. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 14-13 Dallas leading the Giants, the second of the trifecta in the NFL on Turkey Day. Earlier it was Buffalo over Detroit, 28-25 tonight. Minnesota takes on the um, uh, New England Patriots. Joining me is Glenn Suter for press coverage, the second half of it. Suits, it was on this day in 1996, the snow game in Hamilton. Big flakes, all of that. Flutie Flakes, maybe. He fumbled. He didn't fumble. Gizmo at the kickoff return, but Eddie Brown off his foot for a touchdown. I've never seen Ron Linecaster so mad when they didn't give him that fumble on the Flutie fumble. But what do you remember about that classic game? Well, two things. First of all, it looked so cool on television, so Canadian. It reminded me of when Shania Twain came in in a dog sled in Ottawa with the snow falling and how Canadian that looked for the halftime show. And it, it was that kind of game where, where they were trying to keep the field clean. And, you know, part of what football is all about is dealing with the elements. And uh, that, that certainly was a challenge for both teams that they, 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 they took it on and, and played at such a high level. That catch was one for the ages. And here's a little behind the curtain too, Michael. And that game, that game doesn't happen if the late Jim Thompson, who used to be our president at TSN, mm-hmm. um, unless he writes a check for a large amount of money, I'm talking millions, yep. um, that game doesn't happen, and who knows what happens with the league. And, you know, I know we, we often want to, you know, let's put it this way, Canadians have strong opinions on, you know, how we can program, and I say we, it's not my job, but you know, how programming can go at TSN and mm-hmm. things and ideas we could do. And I think those are all valid ideas. But um, TSN, I think, has invested. And I, you, you heard me mention this at the Hall of Fame speech in the morning, that TSN has invested more money, resources, time, passion to Canadian football, I think, than any entity business-wise or partner of, of the Canadian Football League ever. Uh, and, and I don't think it's even close. 
No, it's true. It's true. Like you can be critical of them. I'm critical because I'm passionate and I want the league to survive. But if we didn't have TSN, we probably wouldn't have a league. Good point. And then, of course, on this day nine years ago, I was on the sideline next to a TSN guy, Darren Detish, and I was doing sidelines for the Rider Radio broadcast. Last time we've been able to do a radio broadcast with the with the local team because TSN's taken over the rights under their deal. What do you remember about the 2013 game? Because you called that one. I, I remember how cold it was the three or four days leading in and then how beautiful it was on game day. I remember the Tom Hanks celebrity sightings mm-hmm. and how kind of cool that was and how um, the, one, of, one of, if not the biggest movie star on the planet, really, really enjoyed coming to the game, going and sitting outside at the game, enjoying the rules of the game and everything that's all about it. Like, I, I just, again, let's continue to tap in. It, these, these are the biggest stars in the world, and they're okay with it. Um, I, I remember uh, uh, Darian Durant's run in, in the playoffs and that Grey Cup. That was the highest and most efficient quarterback play over three games that I think I've ever seen in my time in the game. He was so determined to will that team to a win. I remember the play where G. Roy Simon caught the corner and found out afterwards that he went in and actually asked Darian to call that play because he thought he could get it done and, and get open. Um, yeah, that was, that was a green wave. I, I remember saying after that game that, I don't care if it was Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and the best teams ever you could think of in football anywhere in the world. I don't think they were beating the Riders that day. Yeah. Hey, uh, Suits, I'm a, I'm a rough-around-the-edges guy. I'm kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. I say what I think. At least you won't ever accuse me of backstabbing you. You know how I feel when I leave a room. But sometimes I can be a little rough-around-the-edges. You are teaching me to be more diplomatic. With that in mind, I wanted to do a little reset here because I don't want fans to go on Twitter or Facebook and social media because they are listening to this show. Your segment is important, and they I don't want them to think that you just downplayed or, uh, you know, well, fans don't mean anything. That's not what you meant about fan surveys. Yeah, n- not at all, and I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because it is a, um, you know, certainly we're nothing without the fans, and I respect them completely top to bottom and their opinions are super important. So those surveys are important. Um, But as you can see, when you watch every draft in the NFL or Canadian football league, that evaluating a player's talent is difficult for them, for the professionals, difficult for the people that do it for a living. I mean, Tom Brady went in the sixth round. There were something like three quarterbacks that went ahead of the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL. So it's, it's really tough at the best of times to evaluate talent. And I don't think changing policy with your league or even drastic rule changes based on surveys from, from fans that are maybe enjoying entertainment, maybe have never played the game. You know, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from random fans that you're surveying. So I, I think surveys are important. I think the opinion of the fan is crucial. We are nothing without the fans, and hey, the number one fan base in the world is, or one of the number one fan base in the world is right there in Saskatchewan. Um, but 
evaluating talent and changing your policy, you know, I mean, I, I just think we should lean on our expertise for that rather than, um, you know, just a random survey. So I wanted to be clear on, yeah. on that. I appreciate you asking the question. And I got a text actually from Jim Hobson who said he couldn't agree with you more about rule changes and about accentuating the positive. Uh, Jim Hobson was running this team in, in probably the best era that we've ever had with this team. Yep. Yes, and he was. he was a guy that uh, helped to bring in a guy like Craig Reynolds. I think Craig still leans on Jim at least I hope he does if he's smart. If he's as smart as I think he is, he does. Uh, and Jim's always the guy to say there are better days ahead here. I, I don't think – we've always talked about this, right? It's never as good as you think and never as bad as you think. Yeah, but, I, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, if you, if you look at it and you, and you sort of step away, because we're, we're always so tied right into the details of games and messaging and all of that. But if you step aside in every – Every other sport, Canadians back Canadian, whether it's World Juniors, which is not pro, it's not even pro. You know, MLS soccer. Soccer in the World Cup. Soccer in the World Cup, Glenn. Exactly. Soccer in the World Cup. MLS soccer, which if you were going to rate where MLS is in the hierarchy of soccer leagues, it'd probably be seventh or eighth or maybe even lower. So, but it doesn't matter because it's ours. It's in our backyard. It's ours, and it's played by Canadians, um, either through a ratio or because in soccer there's imports and things like that too. But when it's a Canadian hockey player, we're behind him. When it's a Canadian World Juniors, we're behind him. And I'm saying we can be behind our game in our backyard no matter what because it continues to deliver top-notch entertainment. Glenn, we'll get to those texts next week because i got a couple of good ones, but they're like we uh, always say evergreens. We can get to them anytime. Thanks for your time. Good job here at the Great Cup. Have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week, Suits. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Glenn Suter joining us for press coverage. When we come back, we'll go coast-to-coast with Arash Madani. It's the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620. C- supply. I love the smell of my cup in the morning. This is where the fun begins. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to the Sports Cage for our friends at spreads.ca. Dallas Cowboys taking on the New York Giants. There's been three games in the NFL. Last few Thanksgivings, it used to be two, but now they've moved to three. Uh, the early game saw Buffalo beat Detroit 28-25. Dan Campbell's got the Lions playing hard. They had won three straight, and they probably should have won this game, but the Bills found a way to get it done. So uh, there you go. Buffalo Bills improved to eight and three, and uh, four and uh, I want to say four and seven are the Detroit Lions. We've got a pair of seven and three teams battling right now. Cowboys leading the Giants 21-13, and still to come tonight, eight and two Minnesota up against, is it five? Five and five New England. I think it's five and five New England, if I'm not mistaken. So there you go. Uh, that's what's going on in the uh, NFL. Uh, we had soccer today, and I'm just trying to just give me a second here, folks. I want to pull this up so we can uh, chat about that. Switzerland beat Cameroon one nothing. Uruguay and Korea played to a scoreless tie. Brazil over Serbia two nothing, and Portugal beat Ghana. 
three to two. NHL Leafs a legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Borja Salming passing away at the age of 71. One of the first European trained players to make an impact in the NHL. He's credited with helping pave the way for many future European stars. Native of Sweden, he signed with Toronto as a free agent in 73. Played with the Maple Leafs for 16 seasons before finishing his NHL career one season with Detroit. Toronto Maple Leafs legend and Hall of Famer passing away at the age of 71 from ALS. It was a great setting there uh, about a week or so ago when they honored him before the Leafs game with his buddy Daryl Sittler, Tiger Williams in tow, uh, shedding some tears as they knew probably the end was near. Nobody thought it was this fast, but uh, he is passing away at the age of 71. Uh, To the CFL, the Blue Bombers have inked CFL All-Star Offensive Lineman Patrick Newfeld to a one-year contract extension. He is entering his 12th season and ninth with the Bombers. He was named the league All-Star right guard for the past two seasons, but he's known for his versatility and uh, pinch-hitting a tackle, too. The Riders had him till they traded him. Uh, for Alex Hall, so he missed out on the 2013 Grey Cup run. This is the ninth anniversary of the Grey Cup championship on home turf, as we've talked about a couple of times on this show. The uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders need to get bigger up front. As Don Hewitt, the professor, pointed out yesterday when we went through the free agent list, we had said we'd hope the Riders would go after uh, Patrick Newfeld, but he doesn't make it to market. But the Riders did add some NFL pedigree to their ailing offensive line. As they signed American tackle Jeremiah Butassi, the six foot six, three hundred and thirty pound blocker, began his pro career with the Tennessee Titans, who selected him thirteenth overall in the third round of the twenty fifteen NFL draft. Butassi went on to play eleven games as a rookie, starting seven at right tackle. Was released following training camp the next year. He later joined the Jags, starting one game and spending the majority of the year on the practice roster. He also had stints with the Rams, Broncos, and Cardinals, and most recently with the Raiders. Butassi has uh, played uh, also in the AAF with the Salt Lake Stallions. So he is coming to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. At least he's on paper coming to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You know, they're trying to beef up their offensive line. And around, or uh, check that, Farhan Lalji had a couple of uh, interesting uh tweets today and so did Danny Austin from the Calgary Sun who covers the Stamps. He said Stamps coaches Mark Killam, Mark Mueller and Brent Monson have been uh, given uh, permission to talk to the Ottawa Red Blacks about their head coaching job. And then TSN's Farhan Lalji saying our Rough Riders have got permission to interview the following for their vacant OC position next week. Gahari Jones, Mark Mueller, Kyle Jeffrey and also now Pete Costanza, Marty Costello, Costanza's with the Argos, their receivers coach. Marty Costello, Bombers O-line coach. And also uh, also um, Paul Lapolice, but Lapolice turned them down and won't be coaching in 2023. Mueller will join us and Paul Levi Mitchell next week on the show. Do we have our man in tow? Okay, why don't you hit his intro then first before we get to him there, if you can there, Blaine. Let's hit that. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. All right, Arash Madani from Sportsnet joining us. Are you there, Arash? Loud and clear, Baldy. Oh, How we doing? Good, man. We're live, loud and proud. Okay, so I picked the Dallas Cowboys to where it looks like they're uh, headed that way in those nice blue and white Thanksgiving Day unis, but I forgot. I picked the Vikings to win tonight, and it is Kirk Cousins in prime time. Am I hooped? Yes, you are. 
Yes, you are. Here's the thing. The Vikes outside of Buffalo have not beat a winning team with a starting quarterback. It's true. Like they have eight wins. They're eight and two. It needed overtime while down 17 to beat the Bills at Ralph Wilson Stadium. But beyond that, Ballsy, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record and started, like, you know, they beat Miami, but Miami started their third string quarterback that night. Uh, lots of smoke and mirrors there for my bi- mighty bikes. Yeah. So, uh, Blaine, put your mic on for a second. The uh, the Giants scored a touchdown. What was the stat that you saw, Blaine? That was the first offensive touchdown for the New York Giants, the New York Football Giants, in a Thanksgiving game since 1938 when they took on the Brooklyn Football Dodgers. Thank you very much, Blaine Wyland. So, uh, Arash, I was talking to this with Glenn Suter. We need to have some sort of traditional rivalries on Thanksgiving in the CFL, don't we? Like, I think Montreal I did. Montreal did with Ottawa this year, but I'd love to see like a Saskatchewan Calgary matchup that becomes a tradition. Uh, yeah, and and I think part of the issue, Ballsy, is because Labor Day is so big, and then Thanksgiving's just a month later. It, it almost feels like Labor Day is the Canadian version of what the U.S. Thanksgiving is, if that makes any sense. Yeah, except the CFL screwed it up by having the Argos and Hamilton play four times in five <laughs> weeks and took the luster off it. Like what? Like, I, listen, it's the little things that this league and I, I complain, and I think I speak for you too. We love the league, we absolutely do, and I think we're we're critical of it. Maybe you more than me, but I, I'm critical too because I, I want it to succeed. But like, it's just the little things they, they don't seem to do right. I will say this, being positive, it was sure nice to see the crowd fill in there for the rally today for the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, it looked like they had about 1,000 people there for it. And I don't want to get too hoaxy-foxy on this, uh, Balti, but I just want to point this out because I really believe this. And, and a lot of fans may not understand um, when when Pinball Clemens went up on stage and he thanked you know the medical staff and the players and the coaching staff and the strength coaches and the support staff and the scouts, the one person he brought beside him on the podium mm-hmm. was Danny Webb. Danny Webb has been with the organization for thirty nine years, for four decades. Nobody has more rings. Than Danny Webb does. Yeah, Danny true. Webb is the equipment manager of the Argos. There is nobody who puts in more time and effort than the equipment staff of a football team. And I just thought that was a real class move by Pinball to bring Danny there and kind of give him his flowers in front of everybody. Well, and he's a guy that uh, went out and made sure his players were warm on the bench with the blankets. I thought that was a nice touch. Sure, and, he, and he's He's been through it all. He's seen it all. Like, you know, you talk about the heartbeats of football teams. Like, Danny Webb's been there, like I said, 40 years. Dwayne Mandruziak, 49 years with Edmonton. Brad Foddy with Winnipeg has been there since he was a teenager. These are the kind of people that fans are like, well, what's the big deal about an equipment manager? They're down in the locker room. They know more about what's happening with a football team than the head coach does than the GM does. Because whenever there's a transaction, those guys have to tell the equipment manager. When there are issues in the locker room, the equipment manager has to hear it all. They're not just providing gloves and jocks and toques and jackets and and helmets. They're also like a bit of a psychiatrist too. And, And I just thought that was a great move by Pinball today at the championship rally 
to honor somebody who has been through it all with that organization. Well, and they're lucky they got pinball. I had said on the air here last week during Grey Cup Week, and Mike Hogan challenged me, and rightfully so. I said, I think the greatest figure in CFL history was Ron Linecaster. If he took his coaching, his playing, his broadcasting, his ambassadorship, I don't know if there's anybody better. Uh, and then uh, Mike came on, Hoagie, and he said, hey, how about pinball Clements? He's done this, he's done that, and I, I have to agree. It's 1A and 1A between those guys. Sure. No, absolutely. And look, there in it, for a franchise in a city that just continues to get beat up, pinball gets the benefit of the doubt every time in Toronto. Hey, what, I say that as somebody who's been here for you know twelve, thirteen years, whatever it's been. You know, when you think about it, I'm like I said, I'm trying to stay positive, even though some negativity creeps in once in a while. The we had we had eight million people in total watch the Great Cup. I think it averaged out to three point seven million on TSN. Second biggest crowd they had uh, on like the Super Bowl was the best. I think yesterday's soccer game and then TSN with the Great Cup. But remember. The CTV portion isn't there for the Grey Cup. And that still boggles my mind that you can't get... They'll do the they'll do Spain and Costa Rica, which I get. Soccer's the biggest sport in the world. They'll do that. They'll do a Super Bowl, but they won't put the biggest Canadian party, the biggest Canadian sporting thing on a yearly basis on both TSN and CTV. And, and both, I don't know enough about the deal. Um, why that isn't the case. I think, I think it has something to do with way back when, um, when the, when the move was made from CBC, I think it has something to do with mm, that. Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe. Hey, but, uh, I tell you what, if Canada gets through the group stage, yep. that number is going to be insanely big. So, there's where I'm going next. Will they can't get to the group stage if they don't score a freaking goal? Are they going to score a goal? That's the first hurdle. They will. You're Wrong. confident. You're confident of that. They had Alfonso. No, I'm not confident. <laughs> I'm promising. Okay, because they had Alfonso Davies on a penalty kick nine minutes in to end all this BS, and he shot it right at the goalie. I tell you this. Um, and, and hear me out on this. Yep. That is, Belgium is a top three team in the world. And Canada, through the first 43 minutes, was the better team. And then Belgium scored a goal in the 44. Well, they basically, they basically struggled in the red zone if we want to talk about North American football lingo. Sure. But, and here's the difference. Uh, red zone opportunities were something like 21 to 4. Yeah. And Belgium scored on one. Um, look, a lot, none of these guys have been through it before. They haven't done it before. There were nerves before. Uh, Tayshawn Buchanan had a couple of chances. I said to somebody today, I said, hopefully on Sunday, Tayshawn just has one fewer Red Bull. But, you know, <laughs> before the game. I mean, it's, this, is, this is part of it. Like, you, if you've never been to anything on the world stage in your life mm-hmm. and then an entire team hasn't been to anything on the world stage in their life and then it all just happens at once that's a trip that's an absolute trip and that's why people talk about playoff experience and championship experience 
until you've been through it before, it's it's another animal. Canada's so, going to be okay. Uh, they're going to score a goal, Walty. I promise. Okay, so uh, help me out as a soccer uh, as a soccer casual right. guy. What do they got to do to get yeah. out, get to the group stage? Like they got to be. Is it a must win against Croatia? Uh, they need probably four points, which means over the next two games, Croatia and Morocco, Sunday and Thursday. They need a win and a tie. However, that's going to happen um, against whom or what. Um, that remains to be seen. But I tell you what, if um, I think if you speak with hardcore Canadian soccer analysts, coaches who are not affiliated with the national team, if you said, what did you think of what Canada showed you? yesterday they would tell you that impressed the hell out of me yeah i didn't think they they were capable of doing that now they gotta go do it again and again if they do that again and again i think they're gonna be okay lastly you're in toronto boria solming passing away hockey legend trailblazer for so many european players and a lot a lot tougher than people maybe gave him credit for you know, and then people may have not seen this. Like, ALS is just such a horrible disease. Awful. Corey Salming, who has really been pretty quiet in retirement life. Like, Boris Salming, for those people who don't know, is a living legend. You mentioned Ron Lancaster. Boris mm-hmm. Salming is the Ron Lancaster. What, what, what Lancaster means to Saskatchewan, Salming means to Toronto. And... Boria Salming was a pioneer because before him, there weren't really Swedes in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And he was big, and he was fast, and he was tough as nails. And, you know, he gets afflicted with this awful condition. And with, with his health really bad, came just a couple of weeks ago to Toronto where he was honored before a game. And Ballsy, that place roared, and, and it was his... Old pal Daryl Settler, the great Daryl Settler, yeah. who had to lift Salming's arm up himself for Salming to be able to acknowledge the crowd. And here you had this big, fierce, tough competitor who couldn't even do that. And Salming got really emotional because he knew this was it. That was his, that was his public funeral. He <laughs> said where he really mattered. And feel lost, but it's also a reminder... If you have the means um, to please donate towards ALS because somebody you know has been afflicted by it, and it's just a horrible, horrible disease. My old co-host, Jeff Allen from The Wolf, my morning show days, he passed away just uh, this year from ALS in his 60s, so yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) Hey, man, take care. Have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk next week. Go Canada, go. You got it. Thanks, Baldy. Take care. That is Arash Madani, coast to coast. For our good friends over there at Smart Investing Solutions with our friend Brian Golly. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly and Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. When we come back, Blaine Weiland and I address a couple of your texts and wrap the show up here on the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620. Come. 
Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back. We're wrapping the show up. We were asking for your text at 936-6262. Our text line brought to you by Capital Ford at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. I bring in my friend uh, Blaine Wyland. What do you got there for a couple of texts? All right, well, I don't got a name, but this first text is, maybe I'm greedy, but I feel the CFL should shoot for the moon and talk expansion for 2027, but add three teams, the Maritimes, Quebec, and either Victoria or Okanagan, go big or go home, and tied to the new TV deal. Yeah, um, I don't think it's going to happen. They have a tough enough time getting fans in Vancouver, so I don't see it happening there. Uh, I don't know that there. I don't really know that there's much of an appetite now post COVID in Halifax and Quebec City will not get a team. You won't, you know why? Laval is playing the U of S Huskies here on uh, Saturday. They're kind of a privately owned thing, and they don't have to put out near the money they'd have to for a CFL team. They got a good thing going there. They get ten or eleven thousand fans at that game. Uh, the expenses aren't high, so I don't see it happening there but a uh, good text thanks for that and we got another one uh, there's been a bit of talk late about the rudeness of a few rider fans mm. of a few rider fans of the bomber fans with hosting the great cup as uh, this was from steven i'm a huge rider fan i don't really see it i've seen banter back and forth the last few seasons yes it can get out of hand with the hate issue between the two clubs his question is do you support the banjo theme and how it started and where it's going it was funny at the start um I like the back and forth of it, but I'm I'm kind of past the banjo thing now. Like, you know what I mean? What 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 are like we're going to buy into them calling us a bunch of inbreds. That's what we're doing. We're making we're saying it's okay for you to call us a bunch of hillbilly inbreds. And I don't know if you have been to Winnipeg or Manitoba or not, but it's not like we're talking about we're going to like Dubai. It's not like class. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're us. We're them. Like, give me a break. It was Troy Westwood. It was funny when it happened. Uh, why don't we just call it? I don't know what they they call it the Banjo Bowl. They can call it whatever they want. We call it. Let's get in and get the heck out of Winnipeg game. What? What? Are you okay with it? I don't. Yeah. No. I don't. Yeah, I'm kind of like you. At first, I was kind of thought it was kind of funny, but now it's just like, ah, oh, whatever, you know? Like, yeah, like when Brad Wall was doing the whole banjo picking back in the day, fine. But it's done now, it's right? It's kind of run its course. I mean, I really thought this was just born out of the fact that Winnipeg was kind of upset that they didn't get the Labor Day Classic. That's every year. Yeah. It was in Saskatchewan. And now it kind of, they kind of got this rematch, and it's kind of now a staple every year, and it's just kind of grew a life on its own. Yeah, I'm, and they're not going to get rid of it. I just, I'm not feeding into it. I call it the Labor Day rematch. That's what I call it. Yeah. That's what I call it, the Labor Day rematch. It'd be nice to win there. Uh, we haven't won there very much lately. I think 2018 is the last time we won there. We got to get back to winning there. It was pretty bad this year. I'm sure the last game in Winnipeg was called the Toilet Bowl because of... Uh, <laughs> good point. That's good. I like it. I like it. Good job, Blaine. We're going to end on that. If you missed any of the show, check it out in podcast form. We will be back tomorrow. Talk a little Pat's hockey. Uh, lots in store. Make sure you tune in. This is the only sports show you need to listen to in Saskatchewan. With Blaine Wyland, I'm Michael Ball. Have yourself a